0: they can easily be misconstrued as benevolent so it just seems like this person is good with kids or they're like being kind and helpful wanting to take on extra childcare or spend time with uh, a minor but once you've worked in the field as i have um you recognize one the prevalence of people who are sexually interested in children how common child sexual abuse is
1: let's go
2: welcome to citizen we have a very special guest today dr deborah so my uh notes app here tried to change your last name to Sun for some reason i guess it doesn't recognize that surname
0: that's pretty funny usually people don't get the h so that's that's an original change
2: yeah um so how you been
0: I've been good. It's nice to see you again. Congratulations on the success of hard AF. Thank you. you
2: Yeah, it's, uh, it's doing pretty well. People like booze, apparently shocking, (laughs) shocking. Um, so give me uh, a bit of your, for people that may not have run into your work before, give me a bit of a background on yourself and, and what you're doing now.
0: So I am a former academic sex researcher, Um, I have a PhD in neuroscience, I was doing brain imaging of human sexuality prior to becoming a journalist. And uh, the climate in academia had changed so much that by the time I finished my PhD, I decided it was not really hospitable for me in terms of the research I wanted to be doing Um, and I had also written this op-ed criticizing gender transitioning in children knowing that by publishing this op-ed that that would basically be the end of my academic career so I said so be it I have since become a science journalist uh, I'm a columnist and my first book The End of Gender came out um, so it's basically a book that debunks nine myths that we commonly see in society about gender, things like, again, children transitioning is a good idea, that there are more than two genders, that biological sex is a spectrum, that there are no differences between transgender women and women who are born women. You and I talked about this uh, quite in depth the last time I was oh. on your podcast, Redundant. But yeah, I've been, you know, working as a columnist, podcaster, I have the Dr. Deborah so podcast and I uh, have a couple new projects also that I've been working on. That I'm very excited about.
2: Yeah. It seems like uh, <clears throat> this problem isn't getting any better. Um, no. And I don't know what it, I honestly, I can't figure out what's driving it. I mean, <clears throat> you can cast a pretty big net around uh, societal decay throughout human history. Right. There's a lot of different reasons it happens. Um, this isn't the first time a political class ha- has devolved into this kind of bullshit, to be honest. I mean, <clears throat> it wasn't, there have been many, many cultures over the years that have uh subjugated children sexually. Right. And it, this isn't, this isn't anything new, but it is kind of new that in a free society where instead of, forcing people at the end of a spear or, or the muzzle of a gun to accept what you're doing they're trying to convince you that it's right. I think this is the first time in human history that's happened. Uh, what, why do you think this is all coming about over the last 15 years or so or however, however long it's been?
0: It's been a variety or number of factors. I would say that the fringe minority in academia In terms of the people who are holding these very bizarre ideas about wanting to disrupt society, remake it into their own utopia, they have managed to basically take over all of the institutions, not just within academia, it's also stretched now to law and policy and media. It's everywhere you look. I really think the average person even if their line of work has absolutely nothing to do with the subject they will be touched by these issues in some way if it's not through training at work or meetings or things that their colleagues are saying or having to put pronouns in their bio or knowing a child who's transitioning or a friend or family member who's transitioning or just being upset at seeing women's sports basically being destroyed um so it's. I think it's been been growing for a long time in academia that was not really checked because no one took, I don't think anyone really took those ideas seriously until they got so much uh, momentum. So, to the point now where you can't, I mean, they've taken over. And then I would also say it's probably has something to do with the internet and social media. And the fact that these, again, very fringe ideas, have so much more power and reach and then also the fact that you have censorship working against those of us who try to speak to the actual science and i always want to be clear that of course i support people who are experiencing gender dysphoria i support the trans community my issue is with the activism because the activism is very much anti-science and the activism in many cases does not represent the views of everyday transgender people <laughs> quite disturbed by what's happening and I think the activism does a disservice to them because most people assume the activists actually speak for the community when they don't
2: sure I mean the activists are very rarely trans people themselves oddly enough which is uh, you know that that's <clears throat> that's kind of become the case and a lot of these uh, cultural issues where uh, the <laughs> it's it's very rarely people from the particular group that are the loudest voices among the uh the the activist community and it's weird to me it's like i understand the leftist ideal has always kind of wanted to shape society into some kind of utopia that's always been a thing and and <clears throat> it's been tried never worked there have been plenty of dystopian novels written about how it's pretty, it pretty it how it will always end the same way right you, To get everybody to think and feel and do the same, there's only one way to accomplish that, and that's authoritarianism, right? So, uh, But I wonder, people ask me a lot, like, what stage of societal decay are we really in? Um, And part of me thinks that they're going so hard on (sighs) these crazy anti-science ideas because they feel like if they can get away with this, if they can shape people are reshaped people rather at their fundamental core, then they can get away with pretty much anything after that.
0: Yeah, I think the intimidation is real. And if they know that people it's, I mean, it's not possible for everyone to have the same views. It's not every, it's not possible for people who disagree to genuinely just decide, okay, I'm I'm okay with that. the fact that I'm, I'm being silenced and that I'm being forced to hold views that I don't actually agree with. But I think, like you said, at a very fundamental level, if you can convince children, especially of these ideas, which is what they've done, they've gone into education now, and they, for a long time, I don't think parents were quite as aware. It wasn't until the pandemic when they started to actually be able to see what was going on in the classroom, yeah. that, um, you know, video conferencing that, that they said, well, wait a minute, this is not what I thought my kids are being taught. And so if you can teach these ideas to kids, one, they're not going to know any better. And also at a very fundamental level, if you can teach kids that boys are girls and girls are boys, like those those differences are so, it's, such, it's at a, such a basic level. It's like basically telling people that the sky is green and saying that you have to agree with that. So either you actually genuinely believe it and you go along with it or you go along with it and you don't actually believe it. But e- either way, it's just so much confusion and distortion that, I mean, this is ultimately what they want. I don't really think it's about making society better it's coming from a perspective of really just wanting to have their way sure
2: Uh, it's a good point it's like um, if you can if you can disrupt somebody's ability to trust their own senses now and and also uh, simultaneously establish yourself as the authority on reality you can convince them of essentially anything at that point right
0: yeah, and I'm, and science doesn't mean anything anymore mm. because now it's scientific papers that are publishing things that are absolute nonsense. Well, what does that do? That means, one, public trust is completely lost, which I think is understandable. And two, I mean, what, what is the... Where's truth then? Where do you turn if you actually want to understand the world objectively? We don't have that marker. We don't have that method anymore. That, to me, is what's really disturbing because even for myself as a trained scientist... I mean i'll look at papers and i'll know that it's bias. i'll know it's propaganda and i thought i would think to myself like i didn't think that this would happen in my lifetime but th- that it's so bad now that these ideas because now people so-called experts can point to these papers so-called scientific papers and say well look at what the paper says the paper is supporting what i say right and then you have all of these medical and scientific organizations that are lining up and say yeah we agree with that it's why the, the, when i see scientific organizations putting out press statements in favor of social justice. And this has been happening for a while, but the, to the extent that this is happening now, it's just, oh, it's bad. <laughs>
2: yeah, it's like, uh, you know, this they're on the same trajectory that the ACLU was on probably t- 10 years ago, right? Um, where it no longer stood as an organization that protected the civil liberties of of People and the states, and and basically, just became an arm of the Democratic Party, at least here in America, right? Um, And I guess that's how things work. When you know your organization depends on funding from people, and the people funding it want a certain thing, it's no different than politics, right? If if politicians want to be elected, they need money, and if they the people that give them money have certain expectations in exchange for that money, right?
0: Yeah, and it's been a while to see what's been happening with Twitter. And I don't know is it that people don't, I mean, Americans, you guys appreciate free speech. You no, know? I don't understand the leftists who are saying free speech is a bad thing, and they're going to every extent possible to try and suppress it from happening and allowing people to engage. And it's not even that they have to agree, they just have to allow the conversation to happen. It's, it's wild to me.
2: Yeah. We felt the same way during your trucker protest though. When, when, when people were driving, uh, some of the most hardworking and nice people on earth, by the way, driving towards Ottawa to make their point. Um, and Trudeau's message was that they hold their, their violent people that hold what he said was unacceptable views. I don't even know what the fuck that means. You know what I mean? Like to me, an unacceptable view is, uh, uh something that's evil like uh uh, raping children for example which is something that people get away with on a regular basis now for some reason but um the idea that a peaceful protest or that medical sovereignty or individual liberty or freedom of speech is somehow an unacceptable view um that's that's pretty bad that might be the worst thing i've heard in a western country
0: yeah, I know. I don't. I don't even want to get started on that. <laughs> what I will say is, you know, I wasn't. I didn't mean to sound like I was criticizing Americans with what I was past. Um, what I just said, but more so, just that it's this trend that we're moving towards, and that it's acceptable to say if I disagree with someone, they're not allowed to have a voice. They're not allowed to voice their opinion. I mean, that's not. This is how do you function in society? If that's what you think, and I, I try to put myself in the perspective of people who hold this view. And I imagine life must be very stressful for them because it's not possible to control other people's thoughts and how they perceive, not just the world, but also how they perceive you. And I imagine it just, I I don't know how you function in the world. And it goes back to, I think, this trend of what we're seeing in universities because now there is such an emphasis on everyone going to university, you have to go to university and get a degree, whether or not you wanna be there, whether or not it's actually gonna benefit you. And it's basically like, I hate to say, but it's brainwashing. Mm -hmm. I think you are not being exposed to different points of view from what I hear in terms of what students are learning in their classes. Many of them are afraid to ask questions. Many of them just regurgitate what the teacher or the prof wants them to say because they just want to pass the class and they don't want to be castigated by their peers or the professor.
2: That seems to run counter to the whole point of university, right? I mean, it's supposed to be the first time you leave home as a young adult and become exposed to different ideas and cultures and um, gain some true sense of empathy for other people, right? Like it, I I appreciate what you said about trying to put yourself in, in those folks' position because I do the same, Um and I think that's an important thing for people to do. If you, <clears throat> you should really try to steel man your opponent's argument if you can. Um, and if you're not willing to do that, honestly, that's, you're not really doing anything. You know what I mean? You're just repeating what somebody else said or you're, you're, you have your fingers in your ears just saying la, la, la over and over. That's the way a child behaves. And for some reason, this has become the standard for our education systems and in, in Western society. Now it's fucking crazy.
0: Yeah. And I also think, you know, I do think the divisiveness we see is a problem. And if we want to solve this problem, we have to be charitable to the other side and can't really, we can't treat them the way that they treat us. Or when I say us versus them, I mean, basically people who disagree with you versus people who agree with you.
2: Sure. Yeah. Do you think uh, it, it seemed like, when I was growing up, um, I grew up in a pretty diverse neighborhood and then um, was in university and then the Army, which are both relatively diverse as well. And I didn't notice the friction between different groups of people back then um, into the early 2000s. It seemed like we were all just kind of like hanging out and enjoying life, dealing with regular life stuff, and nobody was really focused on that stuff. And it does seem like the media and the political class in the West made it a point to drive home these divides again for some reason. I mean, the reason's obvious, right? They're trying to, if anybody's trying to divide you, they're trying to conquer you ultimately. But it was, I guess it's been disappointing for me how easily we fell for it. Right now, get up to 55% off your subscription when you go to babble.com slash citizen. This holiday season, if you're looking for a unique gift that inspires curiosity, travel, and culture, give yourself the gift of Babbel. Babbel is the language learning app that sold more than 10 million subscriptions. And thanks to Babel's addictively fun and easy bite-sized language lessons, you'll finally be able to discover the wonder that comes with learning a new language. With Babbel, you only need 10 minutes a day to complete a lesson. So you can start having real-life conversations in a new language as little as three weeks. Other language learning apps use AI for their lesson plans. Babbel lessons were created by over 150 language experts and voiced by real native speakers, not computers. Their teaching method has been scientifically proven to be effective, and with Babbel, you can choose from up to 14 different languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, and German. Plus, Babbel's speech recognition technology helps you improve your pronunciation and accent. There are so many ways to learn with Babbel. In addition to the lessons, you can access podcasts, games, videos, stories, and even live classes, and it comes with a 20-day money-back guarantee. So start your new language learning journey today with Babbel. Right now, get up to 55% off your subscription when you go to babbel.com slash citizen. That's babbel.com slash citizen for up to 55% off your subscription. Babbel, language for life. This episode is also brought to you by Lucy. Lots of adults choose to use nicotine, but there's a right way And a wrong way to do it if you're one of the millions of adults who use nicotine you know that not all nicotine products are the same and there's one new product that stands above the rest lucy breakers are the only nicotine pouch that give you a blast of flavor from the first moment all the way to the last nobody likes gum or pouches or anything that lose their flavor rapidly it just becomes tedious each pouch contains a capsule that you break open to release the rush of flavor that doesn't fade away like those other pouches, you know, the ones that rhyme with thin. They come in so many flavors, mint, berry, citrus, mango, even espresso. And you don't have to go to the gas station or corner store to get them. You can just order online and they'll show up straight to your door. Plus, if you subscribe, you'll save 15% and you'll never have to worry about running out. Uh, they The flavors are really delicious. And if you're one of those people that uses nicotine as a nootropic like a lot of, uh, like we've talked about here in the past and on Drake Bros in the past, this is one of the best ways I could possibly think of to use this stuff. So whether you're using nicotine while you're working, creating, or playing, or whatever it is, Lucy Breakers are the intelligent choice. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Get $10 off your first order when you use the promo code CITIZEN at checkout. Shipping is always free. Lucy.co, promo code CITIZEN, to receive $10 off and free shipping visit lucy.co for more details and uh, we thank lucy for sponsoring the podcast big fan of these guys Um, and here comes the fine print obviously lucy products are only for adults of legal age every order online is age verified this product contains nicotine and nicotine is an addictive chemical
1: yeah
0: well i think i do think social media has been a big part of it because I mean, everyone's on social media. Every, But it's also, you know, I would say as a journalist working in media, it used to be that unless you were a columnist, you kept your opinion, your personal opinions out of it. There was such a thing as objective journalism. And to me now, most of journalism, or at least mainstream journalism, they read like opinion pieces, but they're presented as fact. And I find that quite concerning because... I think most people are probably aware, and that's why people have lost trust in the media. I mean, if you look at polls I've written about this, that people are very skeptical. But then it's also, again, where do you go to just understand the world? Or if you want to check the news in the morning before you go to work so you understand what's going on, where do you, what's your recourse? You have to look at multiple sources. I know we talked about this last time I was on the podcast. It just seems like everything has become so polarized and so slanted and I do think right now I'm trying to think of you know what are the solutions I really try with my work to be fair and criticize both sides and present when one side is doing something good to to speak to that even if it's not necessarily the side I would normally agree with but yeah I I think like you said people are incentivized to keep things this way because it makes the money or angry and fighting they have to turn to other people to try and, I guess get that fix or to try and understand things, right? They become mm-hmm. dependent on people. And I, it's also easy easier, easier as well because I think for some people they don't necessarily want to have to think about these issues too much in depth. Or they enjoy the antagonism. they I, I've noticed some people who are really into politics. Some people really love it, they, it's like a sport. Mm. you know you get like a thrill thrill at being like, my side just owned your side. And it's not really about understanding the issues or understanding what the other side is saying.
2: Sure. Yeah. I'm sure cable news has something to do with that. Turning, turning the way that we uh, understand our world into um, what, uh, like a sport slash religion, I guess you could say. Um, Yeah, it's super fucked up. And, and it does seem in the same way that uh, all the attention over the past um, 10 years or so that the. Gay and trans community have received uh, You know Not good or bad necessarily That they're receiving the attention It's what kind of attention it is And it doesn't seem like any of it's been very effective Right Um, One of the most common things I see now Are gay and trans groups (sighs) Saying Please leave us out of your bullshit We're not trying to fucking dance In our underwear for children We're not trying to dress them up in BDSM stuff they're uh the gays against groomers is a good organization that does a lot of that stuff it's like <clears throat> why is it that this is something i always ask myself i guess I'm, I'm just saying it rhetorically now but why is it that anytime somebody needs something it turns into some kind of fucked up industry you know what i mean like can't all, you, you you can look into how much money has been basically uh uh, uh, siphoned off of cancer research over the last 50 years. It's billions and billions of dollars have just gone <clears throat> into quote unquote nonprofits who spend less than 5% of the revenue on actual cancer research, shit like that, right? Um, and then these organizations or movements that are meant to help or protect people never seem to. They always seem to marginalize them farther instead of helping them. You know what I mean? It's, it's fucking crazy. It's like, I want people who are in bad situations to get out of bad situations. I want you to win your fight, right? Because I, I there's no, there's very little justice in the world. And if we can make some justice, that's always a good thing. But man, the the I remember from the Occupy Wall Street movement forward, this uh, standing in the street standing on highways and shit to stop traffic, to bring attention to your cause. That's the dumbest shit that I've ever heard of in my life. Like you can't interrupt other people's daily lives and inconvenience them and expect them to take sympathy on your cause. It doesn't work that way. So I wonder from, so let's get into the the principal stuff. Um, One of the ones you selected was, and I think this is particularly relevant is uh, I will not allow those less fortunate or incapable of defending themselves to be harmed or taken advantage of in my country. Now, your work is extremely important in that regard because kids don't really have the ability to defend themselves. And there is a huge, I, I don't understand the parents involved in this stuff, why you would think that it's okay to do, like start transitioning or hormone therapy with a child. It doesn't make any sense to me but can you speak a little bit about that principle and how it dovetails into what you do
0: yeah regarding just what you're saying before that question i i think for many people especially when they are when they feel compelled to become an activist or make that especially their livelihood they're obviously very passionate about it, but I think at worst, it can veer on this extremism. And if you are so invested in a particular issue or you think solving this issue is what's going to bring you peace in your life, I can understand why it goes so far off the rails. Even something like, you know, gay marriage. I, I was thrilled when that passed, you know, I grew up in the gay community. Um But, but I think when you see the activism, okay, well, now they've got gay marriage, what are you going to do with that? What are what are these groups going to do? They have to find a new pet project. And so it's partially the financial aspect, but I think it's also the people who are just so invested in trying to push whatever their political views are, whatever their views of how to make society better, whatever those are. And so there's no end for them. It's not really about attaining that goal. It's about Trying, I think, for some of these people, trying to make themselves feel whole. I don't think they're many of these activists looking at how aggressive and nasty they are. I don't think they're happy people. Mm. So, those are my thoughts. But in terms of um, protecting vulnerable pe- vulnerable people, my I was thinking about you know what initially inspired me and made me feel like I should have published that first op-ed criticizing gender transitioning in kids and it really was coming from this place of thinking about my friends who are gay, who when they were growing up, they, they would say to me, I mean, they still reach out to me to to this day saying, thank you for what you're saying, because you know, that would have been me growing up. You know, they're very feminine and surely playing with dolls nowadays. If you have a little boy who plays with dolls, there are so many people who are happy to jump on that and say, you should actually be a girl. And to me, that's so backwards. I just, I think let that child be a feminine boy. And if he's gay, that's fine. If not, that's fine too. And you know, and so I I felt like in the field, there was so much anger and people were so concerned about um, the fact that the legitimate research on gender, just gender dysphoria in children was being suppressed. And, that, you know, I was I was also motivated by all the press coverage I was seeing of these young kids who are transitioning, who um, the parents would say that their child is doing so much better now. So I just felt that I could not sit there and not speak up about it, because these are kids who they can't they can't defend themselves. And especially if you have, as parents, if parents are being told that this is the right thing to do, they're gonna do it. And I also think in life, you can't complain about something or you shouldn't complain about something unless you're willing to do something about it. And you can't look around and expect other people to do something if you're not also willing to do it. So. That was it. I mean, it was really scary for me. And even to this day, uh, as a journalist, I still there's certain issues. The first time you write about something, I'm not sure if you feel this way the first time you speak publicly about an issue. Maybe you've been doing it so long that it's not the case. But there are some issues still to this day when I I sit there and think, do I really want to write about this? Do I really want to speak about this? And, you know, you you run the risk of upsetting more people, upsetting your own audience. But I feel it's my job. And if you have integrity, you have to speak honestly about what you see happening because that's your job and i think as a human being that's what you should do
2: sure yeah uh no i never worry about that because i don't give a shit um but and i i can't because i have a largely libertarian and conservative audience and uh i i try i've, I've been i work really hard to make sure people um focus on reality and principles and not people and there is this the Western community, especially in North America, we're we're deeply ingrained into political hero worship for some reason, which is something that baffles me. I can't. <clears throat> it, politicians are the worst people on earth, you know. They're they're uh, like all the worst pathologies you could find in a person. Like if you if you if you broke down the characteristics of the average politician and mapped them onto somebody that you might be friends with or date. You would never date that person. Every single characteristic is a red flag. Like this, this uh, uh, base need for attention and approval and all this stuff—it's truly pathetic. And somehow we've allowed ourselves to be organized around the whims of these assholes. Um, so no, I can't. I can't do that. Even if I'm sure that the show suffers because of it, because there are a lot of um, <clears throat> there are a lot of Republican and Trump fanboys that refuse to listen to anything negative about them or any other political, uh, operator or, or, or maybe even, I, I get a lot of flack for my thoughts on the, uh, <clears throat> on the abortion situation too, but I don't really give a shit. Um, I want to get back into this. Uh, what, one of the things you said about, uh, the science, it's never ever a good thing when, scientists become activists you know what I mean or get involved in that community because it it just things go off the rails really quickly we've seen this with the uh, climate change crowd over the last 50 years or so where they illuminate some legitimate concerns but because they become radicalized it usually manifests in two ways one they've marginalized the more realistic conclusions like mild climate change is pro is a lot more realistic than any of the cataclysmic shit that they say. Um, and two, it, it the research itself suffers because it's no longer objective. Do you know what I mean? Like you were talking about all these scientific journals publishing this absolute nonsense about gender that it's, it's, they, it's just all made up. They're, they're appealing to not even a false authority, but to no authority whatsoever. But in collusion, if enough people say it out loud at the same time, then people, it becomes a standard. That becomes the fact now, we're all operating off of this fact. But that's not a fact, it's just something that people made up. You know what I mean? It's fucking crazy. So I'm sure you run, you, you don't, I don't know if you do any uh, <clears throat> first party research anymore, but if you do, I can't imagine, it's very easy to get that done at this point.
0: Oh, it'd be, for me, I don't think I could. <laughs> I think even if I applied for funding, it would trigger people. Um, It's funny when you say that about climate change, because I was reading a paper recently that was something about climate change and how it disproportionately affects women. And I I just think everything has to be political. Everything has to divide men and women and make people mad. It just, yeah. Yeah, but you know what they're
2: doing right there. They're trying to establish the argument for a woman who uh, the guy says, well, here are the actual facts about climate change. She goes, well, you just don't care about women. You know what I mean? that that's fucking uh so so obvious and underhanded and yet so many people fall for that shit it just drives me crazy that that whole if somebody starts talking like that i usually just it's like having pronouns in your bio i just kind of walk away from that situation to be honest like i here's let me i always wanted to ask you this um <clears throat> people who are very clearly their gender who put pronouns in their bio that is the most useless act of virtue signaling. I've ever, who is that for? Honestly, who is that for? I don't understand that at all.
0: It basically means I'm a progressive. So I, I I just laugh when I see that because I find that I would find that offensive. I'm not transgender, but I would assume, well, I don't want to speak for trans people, but I would think that would be offensive. If you see a non-transgender person who is gender conforming, there's no question at all, which sex they identify as and they feel the need to put those, pronouns i was just even when i read news coverage and i see they them pronouns that drives me wild too because i'm oh, like yeah. that is there's no reason for that also they them she they he they it's easier what else is there oh gender i,
2: I don't i don't keep track of all that i can't uh i'll i'll uh man it's Give you an <laughs> i can't i can't deal with that shit but yeah you're it's the thing that's <clears throat> The thing that makes this whole uh, situation more dangerous and, and and I think overtly malicious by the people pushing it is uh, two things. One, what I mentioned before, that the research suffers when it becomes activist-based. Um, and two, it's because it targets children before they're mentally capable of, of mounting a sophisticated defense against bad ideas like that, right? And that's on purpose. They're not doing this on accident. This is how... Uh, alcohol and tobacco over the years have tried to lure kids in and make them early customers. This this is nothing new, right? This is a marketing strategy. Um, and it's good that people like you are actually fighting back against this. And I want to get into that a little bit. So <clears throat> a lot of uh, – I, I would say my my fan base is primarily concerned with protecting people and primarily children, especially these days, right, because there's been from the school board shit to – the classroom to you know just all the other indoctrination through media uh, they're particularly concerned about their children and I wonder from from your perspective and, and experience um, what are some of the thing, what are how are some of the ways that these groups of people are trying to target children and what are some good ways for people to defend against that
0: And I have to say, you know, I have such an appreciation for the fact that you are trying to bring people together and create community. And I have so much respect for veterans. Like, I don't feel like fighting culture wars brave. I feel like going to actual war is brave. So, thank you for that. Um, In terms of I'm, I'm, can you repeat that question? It's basically like how they're targeting kids in education. They're well, doing.
2: not even just in education, just broadly speaking in, in the West, how children are being targeted by these people with weird ideas about sexualization and gender and what what's how regular folk and even parents, I guess, to, to be more pointed, can defend against that.
0: And there's so many ways, which is really sad. I would, you know, I did a podcast episode about grooming, both sexual and political grooming. I would recommend that parents go listen to that because once you know the signs of someone who is sexually interested in children, who is actively seeking out victims, you will not be able to unsee those signs. And I think it's so critical that all of us, whether we are parents or not know those signs, but especially for parents, because many of the strategies that child sex predators use, they can easily be misconstrued as benevolent. So it just seems like this person is good with kids or they're like being kind and helpful, wanting to take on extra childcare or spend time with uh, a minor. But once you've worked in the field as I have, um, you recognize one, the prevalence of people who are sexually interested in children how common child sexual abuse is and also the red flags. So I would say that's huge. Um, And then also just to be very vocal when you are uncomfortable. So, you know, we see what's happening with some schools wanting to have books that are questionable in the school library. And I question, I I don't think everyone defending this is necessarily pedophilic. And pedophilia to define that is sexual interest in kids under the age of 11. I, but you know, some people maybe they're going along with it just because they they think that this is going to own conservatives, which it, I don't know if that's a position you really want to take. But okay, um, but surely there are some people uh, who are doing this. You now, I, I can't. I guess I can't really say that. I can't know that. But as someone who has worked with again child sex abusers, I think if you as a parent have an issue with curriculum, certain things that your kids are being exposed to. It is fully within your right to voice your discomfort and to be unrelenting because your kids and children more more generally are dependent on adults to protect them. They cannot protect themselves. I, I actually got a comment on social media recently of someone saying, oh, basically I'm paranoid and that this is safetyism. It's not safetyism. If your child is not capable of defending themselves against people who are grooming them. And this is the thing, if adults can be groomed, which happens, adults can be sexually groomed, right? Usually the, uh, the parents of a child who's sexually abused, the parents are also being groomed by the predator so that they are trusting of that person to allow that person to have access to their kids. It benefits an abuser to have a child who likes them and trusts them because that way they don't need to use force to commit their crimes. So. I I don't think you're fully within your right to be overprotective, to err on the side of caution. Things like sexualized performances, I mean, that's probably one issue that has gotten a lot of media attention, and I think rightfully so. And as someone who grew up in the gay community, I love drag queens. I don't think drag queens on the whole are grooming kids or are sexual predators. I think it's fine if people wanna dress in drag. My issue is when you have children being exposed to like the, i don't understand why why do kids need to be exposed to this especially if you go to a drag show it's very very sexual i mean the whole the whole reason you're there is because it's subversive and it's funny but it's also very usually very perverted you know I, my sense of humor is very dry and perverted so i'm fine with that mm-hmm. but again Around kids yeah. so
2: i mean it's like I, a it's like a locker room for queer people basically like they're just doing weird shit and talking it's it's basically like being a marine in the united states to be honest um without any other caveat that's that all marines are drag queens and i said it out loud here um the weird thing about those sexualized performances to me is that <clears throat> this isn't something that's happening outside the purview of the parents the parents are opting into this right in, in and not not in uh 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 northern california or new york where you might expect such things but in texas right and all over the place in texas we've seen uh examples of this and parents are taking their children to what are what's being called family-friendly drag shows which is like family-friendly pornography so far as i can tell right that, that that's a, that's a completely nonsensical phrase so how, how do you so like i mean it, i guess maybe what i was getting at is more broadly speaking as a society, how do you how do we address that situation where parents are opting into this shit?
1: Hmm.
0: I mean, it's the same thing. I don't think it's appropriate to for kids to be getting lap dances. You know, like you don't see that. Hopefully you don't see that happening very much. And if it did happen, people would get called out for it and it would be stopped. Hopefully. I think we have more of a consensus on on that side of things. But for, for some reason, progressive causes my sense is those parents. Want to be out so-called allies
2: mm-hmm.
0: that they're getting points for being coming across as open-minded i've seen some of these parents saying that they think that this is a good role model for their kids uh, to embrace their sexuality <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i think you can embrace your sexuality as an adult and and be comfortable in your body and you, you don't necessarily need to be exposed to these things as a minor I, I really think a lot of it is coming. This issue is also very political, and many parents are simply saying, "Well, I they dislike the right, so they're going to do whatever is going to upset the right." And um, I, I think for, for some parents, you know, the conversations I've had, they may not be following it that closely, and they they may not be even aware that in some cases there is nudity. There are people wearing very little clothing when they're performing. Um, I think they view it as something that right-leaning people have concocted as a boogeyman to try and um, attack gay people or transgender people. So even, but even something like when it's reading in a library, you know, I, initially I said, maybe that's not so bad. If you just have drag queens fully clothed, reading a book that's not sexual in any way, but look what happens. You know, they always, they, the they have, leftists always have to take it to this really grotesque Place They can, they can't be happy with a compromise.
2: That's because they don't want uh, civil rights. They just want the industry around it, right? That props them up. And again, I think you're probably onto something with the fact that these people are, are depressed and empty in their lives and they want some fight to fight. And look, I make this point a lot to, to people, just because you don't agree with the way somebody's addressing a problem doesn't mean the problem doesn't exist. Um, And you do yourself and the community a disservice if because you don't like the way Antifa expresses its outrage at its current situation um, doesn't mean you should just say these people are intrinsically evil and we don't need to pay any attention to them because it's not true. There is a general malaise and nihilism in Western society right now that needs to be addressed. And that's one of the one of the hallmarks of it is violent activism. You know what I mean? to the to the parents opting into this shit the way you described it sounds to me like they want the clout like it's uh like pageant moms i'm sure you've run into some of these people before um that dress their you know 6-year-old daughters up like uh adult women and and force them into these weird, really weird pageants that are rife with sexual predators and shit um and now they're just there's a political bend to it. There's probably, there probably is something to that where they're just, they want to, they want to be, they want to virtue signal and show, Hey, I'm cool with this, but that's, and look, letting people know that you're okay with them expressing themselves. How are they feel like as long as they're not hurting anybody, I think is a good thing. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, <clears throat> I, I'm very libertarian when it comes to drug use. If somebody wants to fucking smoke meth, good for you, dude. I don't give a shit what you do at your house, but me and my kids aren't coming over to your fucking house to smoke meth with you. You know what I mean? And I feel like that's a pretty reasonable line to draw in the sand without stepping on anybody's toes here.
0: (laughs) No, I hear you. I hear you. I think what it is, is I don't even know that most people who are super progressive actually believe in their views and those views, I think it's just that that's the dominant view. So people are going to latch onto that because that's the socially acceptable view. And the, these are the socially acceptable opinions and to have and things to do. So in the past, you know, when it was more socially acceptable, even though I, I don't agree with this, to put children into things like pageants, I, I think it's the same type parent. It's just a different uh, presentation, like you're saying.
2: This episode is brought to you by BlackRifleCoffee.com. Get 20% off your first order with the code CITIZEN. Black Rifle Coffee is the best coffee company in the world. They're our buddies. But we're not just saying that. We also are customers. Join the Black Rifle Coffee Club and get fresh roasted freedom delivered straight to your door. Black Rifle Coffee Company is veteran operated and supports America's military law enforcement and first responders. Not just by saying they do, which is what a lot of companies do, but they actually do it. They give you the best coffee, and they also send coffee to uh, to these guys on the front lines, the people that support uh, support us. So get premium coffee delivered every month. Choose your favorite roast, whether you like light, dark, or medium. Choose the grind, whether you want ground coffee, uh, whole beans, so you can ground it yourself, which is what I recommend, or coffee rounds if you're in an office or something like that, and you need uh, Keurig. You can also choose your delivery schedule, and it'll come to you anytime you like. Members also get free shipping and access to exclusive partner discounts. Get 20% off your first order with the code CITIZEN. Go to BlackRifleCoffee.com and get those deals today. Next up is GhostBed, GhostBed.com forward slash Drink Bros. Right now, GhostBed is offering a 40% off GhostBed bundle where you get a mattress and an adjustable base. So you don't need a code for that. You just add the mattress and the adjustable base uh, and it'll apply, auto-apply 40% off. And then anything else you add to that order, also 40% off. For everything else, you can use the code drinking bros at ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros, and you're gonna get 30% off everything on the site. Now they have the best sheets, mattresses, pillows, covers, all this stuff. You can get all you can get your entire bedroom suite here, and you can get it all for 30% off a month. But wait, there's more. You can buy a mattress for about, you can buy the whole thing for about 35 bucks a month because they have a zero down, 0% financing plan that extends out to 60 months. That's five years, which is about the amount of time that a bedroom suite lasts. So that's a great deal, folks. Go check it out at ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros. Yeah. Well, um, <clears throat> it's been my understanding Through my adult life that um, And I think most conservative people Would agree with this Is that uh, You don't solve Bad ideas With censorship Or by ignoring the problem Or through violence Bad ideas get solved with better ideas With good ideas, right? So I th- it's, it's It would occur to me that the solution to this particular problem is um, to, for progressives to do what progressives have done historically, which is to look at marginalized members of society and try to find ways to leverage their power to make those people less marginalized. That's what you're supposed to be doing as a progressive. Um, and the other part is the next, the next principle that we wanted to talk about here, which is I'll reject divisiveness in all its forms because all of this is very calculated, in my opinion. It's like, <clears throat> there was a lot of talk, starting with <sighs> when the Epstein thing first got really popular in the public. Every and, and the Alex Jones Pizzagate stuff and all this shit. People on the conservative side were like, well, we refuse to tolerate you fucking with kids. It was a line in the sand that you could clearly draw that whether it was fair or not to do so. I don't think it was particularly fair because I don't think most Democrats agree with this shit. I don't think most people on the left agree with this shit, but conservatives did that. They're like, if you're, you're all Democrats or pedophiles or whatever. It's like, all right, cool, man. That's not great. You're just building a wall. That's completely unnecessary. That at some point we're either going to have to jump over or tear down again. It's fucking stupid. You're wasting time. Um, but you know, most Democrats were offended by it and dislike conservatives more than they did before. And the predators on, on the left, the the new progressives, if you want to call them that, seem to, like you said before, just try to push that boundary as far as possible just to do it, just to piss off the other side. And this is the trap that we get caught in. This is <clears throat> diplomacy is, is, is the ability to fucking not hit back to 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 when somebody slaps you and then they're like oh my bad to resist the urge to get revenge and say you know what we're going to move on from here to be the bigger person whatever you want to call it and there is very little of that in our society these days
0: yeah being charitable i i agree with that i i think we cannot expect people to give us the benefit of the doubt if we're not willing to do the same. So I, I do really try to do that. I, It's you know, because I think if you are willing to do that, and you surprise somebody, maybe they'll walk away and do the same thing for someone else. Whereas if it's constant antagonism and mm-hmm. constant fight, and any interaction they have with someone with whom they disagree, is just nasty. People don't really feel incentivized to be to be charitable to other people.
2: They're, they don't feel incentivized to be magnanimous either in victory. Like, we want to we wanna rub people's faces in it. Fuck you and dance on their grave. And I own the libs today, man. I feel so good about myself. Like, oh, cool, did you? The fuck? I mean, it, that... It, it does occur to me quite frequently that we're making a lot of bad decisions because of how divided we are. But we didn't cause the division. We didn't opt into it. We just kind of... It just sort of was thrust upon us by the media and the political class we're being played like a fucking fiddle by these people. You know what I mean? Every time you feel rage and attack somebody on the other side instead of having a reasonable conversation or or whatever the circumstance is, then you've played farther into the hands of the people that you claim to hate every single day. The these powerful manipulators and the political and corporate and media class. It doesn't make any sense.
0: Yeah, I, one thing I would say that I try to do your, your- earlier about steel manning an argument is also to put yourself in the other person's perspective and say, if I held this views, why if I held these views, why would I hold them? Because then I think you come away with empathy for why people are holding views that might ways otherwise, otherwise seem completely horrific to you, I mean, hopefully not horrific, but just they might be views that you really disagree with on every level. But if you put yourself in that perspective and really try to have compassion and, and say, there must be a reason, there must be a good reason in this person's mind why they hold those views. People don't just believe things for no reason. I mean, some people do, but the vast majority of people, I I don't think that's the case. And then even if you still disagree with them, at least you have an understanding. And hopefully you can come to some, I don't know, way of, of, way of inter, interacting with that group without it becoming such a black and white thing, or such a us versus them type of situation.
2: Yeah, I use this analogy a lot actually. Basically what you're describing is math class in primary education. You show your work so the teacher can come by and say, no, you fucked up, but here's where you fucked up and now you can get it right again, right? So you, it's like an engineering journal or an event log where I can go back through this process of how somebody came to this belief or decision unpack it and figure out where the problematic parts started and that's where the solution is going to be right but you can't do that if somebody says um some some political statement you disagree with and you're just like fuck that person i don't want to like they i i'm i'm blocking them and deleting them or uh, whatever the fuck it is it doesn't make any sense you're not that to me is the coward's way out it's lazy and and, and cowardly to do that
0: and it might also Um, inspire the other person to think about why they hold those views because i think many people just want to be argumentative if it's their side versus the other side and they might not even know why they hold the views that they have so being asked even in just a good faith to ask why do you believe that tell me more about it i want to understand if they can't actually vocalize why they hold those views they come away looking a bit silly and hopefully they'll do some thinking as to well do they actually hold that view and if if not, what do they believe?
2: Yeah, I like people that do. Uh, so bogosian has been doing it. He's writing the book, I think, now. he's. I think he's done all the research now. But all the events he did across the country, um, putting people in different, or pulling people in from different uh, uh, cultures and, and belief systems and asking them tough political questions or societal questions like, hey, how do you respond to this? Okay, now unpack for me why you think this way. And then explain it to your your enemy or opposition or whatever it is. Um, I also enjoy my buddy, uh, James Klug does this uh, on the streets of LA quite a bit. It's like the, the drag queen story time bullshit was one of them. He was like, do you think that it's okay and reasonable for people to bring their kids to drag queen shows or drag shows? And he's like, most, most of the people in LA were like, yeah, that'd be fine. And then he would pull out his phone and show them the video of, children like five-year-olds stuffing dollar bills into the front of a grown man's underwear and they're like do you think this is okay and they're like uh no that's not okay um obviously that's not okay right so there's something about like you can never you you can't do that unless you're willing to have that conversation in the first place right like throwing your hands up in the air and and giving up is essentially submitting if you don't take this is uh I think fucking Plato said this, but if you don't take an active role in your own self-governance, then you're doomed to be ruled by fools, right? Like if you don't, if you don't participate in the process by which the standards of your society are set, then you will have no say in it. And you'll be ruled by the people that fucking chose to show up. You know what I mean? And that's the craziest people among us. I don't know if you've ever worked in politics before at all, but I've worked on both sides of the political aisle in the United States back in the day, I could tell you the people who always show up for the events are the craziest motherfuckers in both of those groups because they got nothing else in their life. You know what I mean?
0: Whoa. What was that like working for both parties?
2: Uh, I did it just as an experiment to see what it was like. Um, So I worked a state run or a statewide campaign in Wisconsin during uh, uh, their union scuffle. And then another one later on, and it was, I just wanted to see what the mechanics of it were like, and that's when I started saying all politicians are cunts Um, because they, they are the worst people in the world. I'm telling you, it's like your crazy ex, but instead of trying to gaslight and isolate you, they're trying to do that to the public, which is worse, I think, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, your point about the people who will take action if everyone else, because, mo- I mean, I understand this This is my job, which is why I, I think to some degree I'm able to do it. I think I would still, I mean, I was going to say, like, I didn't follow politics at all before I became a journalist. I really was, like, so busy with school and various, you know, whatever little free time I had. Why why, why make yourself more upset about what's going on in the world? But I realize like, it's come to this place now where you can't. You can't not have a voice, even if it's not your profession. I feel like things have gotten so bad. And I, I don't think that most people are extreme. I think most people are in the middle and are quite reasonable. But it's just that they're busy, understandably, with work and bills. And now there's inflation and worrying about... know kids education and things like that understandably they've got better things and more probably fun and uplifting things to do but i would say even in people's personal lives like i'm amazed at so many people that i hear from who are scared to even talk about what they genuinely think with their loved ones and i just think that's no way to live you know like you have to wonder why are people in your life if you can't be who you are and if that alienates them then you'll find better people to surround yourself with so Yeah, I I just I'm very concerned about where we are headed. And it just seems like it's just a constant, you know, amble forward in the same direction. Sure. But it's
2: the same. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Keep going.
0: Or basically at the speed of light at this point.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's definitely speeding up. And I think uh, the point you're making there where people start to self-censor because they don't they're not prepared for the fallout of whatever they're about to say. Um, To me, that's just the inverse Of people who refuse to take part in the argument in the first place, right? So uh, because you don't have the time or patience to listen to somebody else's point of view or put yourself in their position, that is just the inverse of not saying what you really think because you're afraid of the consequences. Both of those things are, are, in my opinion, like social pathologies that lead or maybe they're part and parcel towards the same result, which is what we're talking about right here. Um, which is our inability to speak with one another. And I think your perspective is probably the average or most common one, which is that I didn't really pay much attention to politics until X, whatever X was for them. Um, People typically only get involved in politics insofar as it intersects with their lives. That's why historically, 80 or so percent of people voted because of the economy in any given election. Unless the other candidate did something super fucked up or there was some other external pressure going on, most people vote because of the economy because food hitting my plate is how I tell how things are are going well, right? How much money is in my bank account at the end of the month, stuff like that. And... Nixon coined this phrase back in the day. Actually, it was Atwater, but Nixon used this phrase back in the day called the "silent majority." And I think we there a lot a lot of people have this "live and let live" mentality. I think it's why uh, it's it's why it took a little bit longer to drag some people into the conversation, I guess, and why you see low voter turnout sometimes. It's like. Uh, that doesn't really affect my life, or that person is just doing what they want. That's fine, blah blah blah. But we're it, it, this is a misunderstanding of what it means to be a citizen in a country. A citizen is a person who has all the rights and responsibilities granted by citizenship, right? So it's not just your rights. You you can't stop there. That that's <sighs> expecting to expecting for things to go well simply because that's the way it's supposed to be. That's how a child thinks. That's not how no, – no reasonable adult thinks that way. You can't – if you show up to work every day and put in a half-assed effort, you're probably not going to keep that job. If you do th- that same thing at university, you're probably not going to pass, right, uh, uh, get your diploma and stuff. So in no other facet of life is that a reasonable way to act towards a very important thing. But for some reason, for a very long time, in the West, we've treated our political system like that, our school board system like that, and this is why the decays happen, right? Because we've we drew our attention away to something else and thought it would just be okay, which is a, a very myopic way to think.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that point you make because I think the larger malaise that we're seeing in society is 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 an expected result of these changes, like when I think about education, you see kids now, they can't fail. So say with, you know, high school, they, they can't fail their courses, and they go to university, and it's the same thing, basically, that you're there, you pay, you get your diploma, regardless of whether you learn something or not, or whether you perform adequately. And then you you, I mean, I've written about also affirmative action. And, you know, the Supreme Court is reviewing that right now. And I just I have such an issue with the fact that discrimination is actually being allowed in the name of diversity. It's not about the best candidates. It's about trying to uh, socially engineer an incoming class that appears to, well, people are diverse in the way that they look superficially. But the fact that active discrimination against Asian American applicants and white applicants is allowed in the name of this to me is so wrong, but it speaks to this larger, um, I think, effort to solve the problem, but not with solutions that actually target the issues. So it's like like you were saying, I think it is concerning and we should care if there is particular groups in society who may not be going to university or may not be doing as well academically. Let's talk about why that is and let's actually work on solutions that will address that instead of patching over the problem. Once you get to the stage of university admissions, it's too late. That that's just, you know, if you're if you're deciding who's coming in and holding back the best candidates in the name of trying to foster the way that the class is going to look superficially, that's not solving the problem as to why you are only getting certain groups uh, or you're seeing certain a certain academic performance from particular groups and not others and why those groups are potentially dominating applications and also getting into university. Sure. It's not making society. Better. And then you go on and you see universities and they're hiring, hiring based on diversity and actually putting out job faculty postings saying we will not hire from these groups. We are only hiring from these groups, which is fully discrimination. So it's it's part of a larger rot, I think, that's happening that people don't want to have these conversations that are very uncomfortable, potentially uncomfortable. But I don't think addressing the problem honestly is bigoted or racist or sexist or hateful. I mean, that's if you genuinely care, isn't that what you should be doing? If you really want to solve the problem instead of simply saying, oh, you know, throwing your hands up and saying I did I did something and it makes me feel good it makes me look good. It doesn't actually address the problem, but that's oh well.
2: Yeah, that 100%. I mean, it's the same. Uh, a lot of people from uh, your side of the argument or my side of the argument are white people and they might be somehow, they, they may be offended by the idea that white people are being displaced now but for, for these reasons, right? Uh, and yeah, they're, they're, that's a reasonable thing to feel, but don't get too caught up in that shit. Affirmative actions, you, you, that was a really good point you made. Affirmative actions result over the last 30 or 40 years has not been what the expectation w- would have uh, – or what, what our expectation would have been, which is that it would have evenly – not our expectation, but the people that it implemented it, right? So a friend of action becomes <clears throat> sort of the law of the land a lot of places, but the result wasn't what we thought it was going to be. So people just – like a, the, a larger part of the academic and media and political class have just – kind of blindly called it white supremacy or whatever. Like there's a, there's always some kind of bucket that they'll put it into. But the reality is, as you, as you very aptly stated, is that we're still missing something. There's still some problem to be addressed there. And, you know, it, it goes in two directions. One, the problems in certain communities that aren't able to, to succeed, uh, or avoid failure might be a better way to say that because we set a lot of people up for failure in our society. Uh, that's one side of it. The other side of the issue is that it's the is-ought fallacy, right? Like, well, things ought to be this way, so we're going to fucking have rules that say they're going to be that way. Well, that's not how fucking life works, dude. That, you, you don't just get to fucking go to the end of the line and and try to solve the problem downstream. You That never, ever works. It never works. Like, if you have poison water everywhere and you install a filter in everybody's home to – to stop the water from being poisoned. Okay, cool. You've solved the problem for a time. What happens when the filter fails? Now people die. You know what I mean? That, that type of thinking just doesn't work. It doesn't work. And that's the way we solve problems in Western society. Well, first we unsolve problems that we solved a thousand fucking years ago. And then we try to solve them by going all the way down to the lowest possible or, or up to the highest possible level and think that that's going to work instead of getting involved in empowering people from the lowest possible level right that's that's kind of what the idea of america was supposed to be federalism and republicanism like giving as much help and authority to the individual so that they could all work together by choice and build something great which it you know it worked out for a little while i guess but now we're in this situation where like you're talking about these <sighs> these institutions are decaying rapidly light speed and uh it might we may not be able to save the institutions themselves and i think people need to start coming to grips with that as well which is uh you know it sounds like it sucks maybe it sucks right but every i, I don't want to get fucking <laughs> i don't want to get too i don't i don't want to start start talking about the energy and universe and shit but every closed door is a new opportunity right there's a new a new a new opportunity to move forward with that so We may need to start thinking about rebuilding instead of repairing at this point.
0: Yeah, I mean, what you're saying speaks to one of your tenets also um, about equality of opportunity instead Mm. of equality of outcome. And I think some of the people who are pushing this way of thinking, they don't like the fact that ability is not equally distributed in society. We are all better at certain things than others. And I think as a human being, shouldn't you want to pursue your life in terms of being working really hard, obtaining opportunities based on merit and what you worked for because that's self-reinforcing and makes you say, oh, my work, hard work paid off mm-hmm. instead of that, basically it being left to chance. I mean, you have some schools where they are giving these opportunities in high schools, elite high schools that are a lottery system for for kids. And to me, it's like, you're basically disincentivizing the kids who've been working really hard and rewarding those who maybe they are aren't are working hard, but their performance may not be that great, but they're basically being picked because of their race. So, yeah, I, I do hope that I, you know, I think I'm a pretty optimistic person for the most part. So I do think it can't continue indefinitely the way it's been going. I, I think especially like so many people are being alienated by the way things are going, that at some point everyone's going to reach that peak where they say that's enough and I am going to do something.
2: Yeah, and you're starting to see uh, – we, we're already seeing the results. I mean, one is just the general pushback from certain I – w- I would say the majority of society on the way some of these institutions run, particularly education. Um, but now you're starting to see major people in business in the United States saying – like coming out openly and saying, you know what? You don't really need a college degree to do any of this stuff. You just need – like, I mean, honestly, you can learn some basics there, maybe learn how to be a bit of an adult – but we're going to teach you how to do this job when you get here. That was the same way, by the way, it was in the military. You go to basic training and you learn some fundamental stuff, but you don't know shit until you get to your unit and how learn how they do things. You know what I mean? Learn what your specific job is going to be. Um, I think that's a really good point. Um, the last principle before we get out of here that you uh, chose was, I will live a life worth dying for. What does that mean to you?
0: It means – quite literally just making the most of everything and not letting fear dictate your decisions. I think many people live, everyone has dreams and it's a question of do you pursue those dreams, no matter how scary or what you might have to sacrifice or give up to do so. And I, when I reflect on, you know, my career to this point, some of the things I've done I mean, it, it didn't make sense. It didn't make sense to do a PhD and then completely abandon the field and do something completely different in which I had no contacts and I had no really formal training. But I said, you know, I love to write and let me just see if I can make something of this. And so I try to live my life based on what I think, what what is fulfilling for me as opposed to what is comfortable. Not like I think I have it all figured out or I think I'm doing things perfectly, but I feel at the end of the day, I can go to bed and I'm content and I feel like, you know, I can look myself in the mirror and I know that what I say is what I believe. And because when I think of all the backlash I've gotten for my book and the things I say, you know, it hasn't, it's definitely not always fun, but when you know that what you're doing is hopefully going to make a difference. And I guess that sounds a little bit trite, but. It's what if it's what you believe so strongly and you're you know that you did what you could. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you you actually were willing to go on the record and say these things. I feel like I'm the person type of person who would regret more not saying something than saying something. So I think it's important just to to live like that.
2: Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, we've uh we've gotten really it used to be very clear to human beings what it meant to be successful. And, and for a long time it was just staying alive and keeping your family alive. Right. Which is a pretty low bar considering. Um, and now we're like eight generations deep into the keeping up with the Joneses stuff, you know, here in America, I guess. And it's like, how, what are you basing the idea of success and failure on in your own life? You know what I mean? I think that's a really important question. People need to ask themselves. Um, Phil Jackson, who was the coach of the Chicago Bulls when Jordan was there, um, used to say, you're only a success for the moment that you complete a successful act. So this idea, and it's, to, to be honest, he's basically paraphrasing the, the, the idea that it's it's about the journey, not the destination, right? Like you do the work, then you put that work to the test and see if it works out for you. And in that moment that it succeeds, you're a success. But for the rest of the time, you're trying just like everybody else is. And I think that's a, a much better way to think about life, instead of looking at your bank account today and be like, "Oh man, I suck today." Well, not really. You're just in the process, right? It just that, that is what it is. And uh, you know, finding ways to, to to deal with this harsh reality of life can be difficult sometimes. It's nice to be distracted, though. Uh, so go, go for a walk or chop some fucking wood or something. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Go fishing. I would say, you know, personal growth is very important to me as well. And I just think you need to, I would, I need to be doing something that challenges me. Mm-hmm. You know, my just pursue sex research initially, such a taboo subject. And I thought, wow, this, this seems is so fascinating, but it's also so stigmatized and I, I wanted to do something that I felt, would challenge me both intellectually and also in terms of the taboo aspect and understanding why is this taboo and why is it people have these views. And so I'm really grateful for that, for my scientific training and also just having those opportunities because I, I just think everything in life is about trying to be figure out who you are, be happy with who you are, bring the right people into your life. And so the more that you are in tune with who you are and, and the more that you are open with other people about that, is going to make it easier in that way for you.
2: Sure. Just being, uh, your own, your like actual self is probably a good start. Um, yeah, I I like that thought. Um, well, I appreciate you coming today. This has been a very uh, interesting conversation as it always is.
0: Thank you. Thank you for having me back. It's always great chatting with you. Yes,
2: ma'am. Tell, tell everybody again where they can find you and find your show. And if you remember what the episode number was, where you talked about the signs of predatory behavior, Yes.
0: Good. So you can find me at com. You can get The End of Gender, my book, on Simon & Schuster's website. You can also get it on my website, on social media. I'm at com. That episode on grooming is episode, I believe it's 43 of the Dr. Debrasseau podcast, which is available everywhere. And also I have someone named Dan Holloway on an episode 30 something, I believe it mm-hmm. was. So Check that one out as well.
2: Yeah, that was a good one. Uh, Well, thanks again. I appreciate the kind words and I appreciate you coming today and sharing your expertise with us.
0: Of course, always a joy.
2: Yes, ma'am. And thank you all for listening. This has been Citizen.